Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity and thought without creating division and community. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher. I am the care pastor here at Hill City, where we record this in every episode of the podcast, and I'm here with my co-host, my friend, Mr. John Wagler. Yes. Wags. Mm-hmm. Part of the team. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> What's going on, man? Uh, our house is almost back in order. Oh, from boy. the sewer pipe back up and no floors, and they finished the floors yesterday, mm-hmm. which is great, and uh, they got to finish our bathroom hopefully today. Yeah. And hopefully, like, please, yeah, because like we're the five of us are sharing one bathroom, and um, so that's actually like good because yeah. it's it has felt the last several weeks. Supposed to be we're on week four now. It just we don't have a home, right? That's tough. I mean, you know, like it's like you come into a yeah. crap hole. Yeah, which literally, is, literally. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so weird. Back. Like terms like sewage <laughs> are so they don't they don't they're not effective right in, in like describing like it almost should be like poop water yeah like sewage exactly. is like sewer sewage i think of like where the ninja turtles live and then i can remember <laughs> the age i was probably like nine when i figured when somebody pointed to an overflow toilet and was like that's sewage and i was like what right how am i expected to believe that my favorite superheroes live and thrive right. in poop water? it's not possible it's not possible <laughs> You're telling me that's what they're walking around in down there? Um, well, I'm sorry that that's happening, but I'm glad that we're coming to the end. Of yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, what you else know, is there? To I say? know. It's like you, like, it was like, it kind of sucked, you know? Yeah. And like, you get bitter. Like, yeah. you totally did. Like, we, oh, yeah. a week and a half ago, like, we were bitter people. Yeah. Like, just like over the annoyance of, of all of it. And, but then, like, now that we're almost done, it's like, all right, it was pretty quick. Yeah. In the scheme of things. Yeah, it's hard because it also, it also like draws other people in. You get mad at the contractors, you get mad at the, at each other, you get mad at the people who sold you the house. I know. (laughs) It's hard not to. I know. Well, I'm glad we're on the other end of it. Um, This week, we are going to be talking about, (laughs) we, you thought we were done talking (laughs) about media pertaining to other (laughs) churches, but we're not. Um, just as we're wrapping up our long series on um, Mars Hill and and not talking about that anymore, um, uh, was it on Paramount Plus? What's the uh, Discovery Discovery Plus, Plus yeah. decided to drop a three part Hillsong documentary. Mm-hmm. That it's one of those things where I think you and I are both like, do we have to talk about this? I know. But it feels disingenuous to skip over it. <laughs> yeah, there's I, yeah, well, we'll talk about, it, but there's some good things to pull from it that I think are important. Yeah, and it's it's brief. If you haven't watched it, it's yeah. definitely a sign up for the thing. Watch the three episodes, and then although I officially just paid for it, or did you? Yeah, it's probably good because honestly, the amount of people that they probably saw sign up, watch it, and then log off or like cancel their subscription will probably actually compel them. You know they're rushing the next like mega church expose right. into production. Yeah, um, and that's sad. So <laughs> we're today we're going to be talking about. Um, Hillsong, a megachurch exposed is the uh, is the title of the documentary on Discovery Plus. But before we get into that, we are going to do our new segment for 2022, where we talk about things that are getting on our nerves, though arguably maybe the whole episode is going to be that. <laughs> We're going to do Stay Furious. Stay Furious. All right. Um... So here we are. We're furious. Wow. We're really not that furious. I feel like we're stretching today, but 
I have one thing that's agitating. Okay. Um, Have you ever had to submit things for approval, like maybe at your pre-ministry job or like like maybe if you're like giving a talk for a breakout or something, you have to email it. Currently doing that for a conference. Okay, yeah. 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 Um, I hate, and I'm not blaming anyone. I understand people are busy and emails get full. I hate the process of submitting stuff and then sitting there and waiting for a response. I would rather in 24 hours get a, this is terrible, start over again, then wait a week and get a, this is great, move forward. <laughs> you know what I wish they would do? Because in those scenarios, like the one that I'm doing right now, like they're so adamant about the date, right? And then yeah. they send you six emails about the date, yeah. you know, and it's fine. I get it. They, yeah. they got a lot of speakers, but I wish they would just say to you, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to reply to you by this date. Mm, do you yeah. know what I mean? That would be, because like what they, because once you kind of put your submission in and then they're, then it's, they can do whatever they want. Right. Yeah, it's just the the process of like waiting to hear. It's like, what did we even invent all of these this internet for? Like, why did we invent yeah. all these ways to communicate <laughs> if it's still just like I'll get back to you in two weeks? <laughs> it's like, it's come true. on. Um, so that is frustrating for me. It's not for. It's actually for um, music stuff, but which I've never had to do before. I think that's also mm. why it's frustrating because I've always like stumbled backwards into publishing arrangements or like um, release arrangements for recordings yeah and i used to work at a record label so that was easy and now we're like cold submitting and it's just i just wish even like an auto reply i feel like like hey we received your submission and we'll take a listen and yeah let you know what we think but it's just like the silence it's like uh, hate me don't ignore me <laughs> like i would literally rather you <laughs> sure. tell me this record is garbage <laughs> stop being a band yeah. Then say nothing. So anyway, yeah. What about you? Anything on on your uh, on your mind? Well, uh, pollen on the car this morning, right. and and not its thickest form, but it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. You know, you know when you get the first dusting. Oh, yeah. It's like it because it hits me pretty hard when. Yeah. Have you ever it. done allergy shots? No, brother. You got to do the allergy. My wife is cured of her allergies. Like when I met her. Just like you, there were like times when there was days where she just was like, I know I don't have the cold or flu, but yeah. my allergies are so bad I have to go to bed. Yeah. Um, cats like gave her a asthma attack. And now she literally, we got a cat because she started getting these shots and she'll literally take that cat and rub her face in the cat. Like mm. she, it's great. I have never seen, I don't know that I've ever seen a medical thing work with the efficiency and completeness that these allergy shots have worked for her. Yeah. I'd consider it. I, you know, it's just funny. Cause like, I'm, I'm so much more of like, a, I'm a supplement guy. I'm, yeah. you know, yeah. And like, and I don't ever think about like shots or yeah. like any, you know? Yeah. But. Well, and it's one of those things where it's like, I guess as natural as like medicine can get, meaning they just mix up stuff that you're allergic to yeah. and then shoot it into you. <laughs> you know, it's not <laughs> right. like, a, I don't think it's a ton of like chemicals and stuff. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Um, you should give it a try. I'll think about think it. about it because I know it really bothers you. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're angry at pollen and record labels, and now <laughs> we're going to move on. One of which is a necessary thing, and the other one is tertiary. Um, now we're going to move on to the meat of the episode, where we talk about the documentary Hillsong: A Megachurch Exposed. Y'all know we stay curious over here. All right. Um, so John, we. Did we get an? Do we get a text message from Natalie before we even knew this thing was live? I feel like I saw it on Twitter, and then by the time she texted us, 
I was like, yeah, I've already watched the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I so I saw the trailer for the documentary. Oh, really? A couple of months ago. Where did you see the trailer? Uh, someone sent it to me. I don't oh, even okay. remember. I it was sent to me. Um, oh, it was by a friend. I think I don't know where did I send it to him. Yeah. I don't even remember. Yeah. But we, I saw. Um, somehow I saw the the trailer for it. Yeah, you know, a couple of months ago. This thing was so melodramatic. I can't believe. I can't imagine how dramatic the trailer must have been. Yeah, oh, it was very like, dramatic. In a world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's basically what it was like. <laughs> so I didn't know anything about it. Um, I think I knew a little bit about it. Like right. I knew about Carl Lentz, yeah. and then I knew that there was something going on with the like head guy, um, and and a child sex can uh, scandal type deal. Yeah. Um, but I didn't. You know, I you know me. I don't really. My, the, you don't really care. Yeah, like, <laughs> or like I don't. I know. <laughs> like I got. Yeah. I do. I do. Actually, I do. Y- you do. It just... But I also. It's not your natural. Yeah, you're not naturally paying attention. I'm to the that. guy who you hired here, and I was like, Andy Stanley from the Office. <laughs> I was like, didn't know what we were talking about. Yeah. Was, what is a Hillsong? What yeah, so Hillsong Church is over in Australia, and they've been massive for a very long time. And in the '90s, in particular, their music mm. really started to reshape worship music in and of itself. Yeah. And and then uh, they're music just started becoming like a huge deal. I would say, I, I think it was early nineties, like 92, 93 ish. Okay. And, um, and it shout to the Lord was like, one Oh, of the is that a hill yeah. song? Okay. Oh yeah. That was, a, that was like their big, like, I definitely remember that. Yeah. And so that started to like switch, like the feel mm-hmm. of what worship music started to be like. Mm-hmm. And honestly the industry in, in and of itself. Yeah. And so, um, off of that, they, they started getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but it was, it was not in America yeah. outside of music. Yeah. And then as they started to grow, they I think now they're in thirty countries mm-hmm. and um which will be far less yeah. than that. I mean, honestly right. soon. But um they they started growing in thirty countries. I think on a Sunday they'd have like something like hundred and eighty thousand people attending their churches like okay. across the world. Yeah. And had a huge influence and impact in in kind of the Christian world in and of itself. Yeah. So you think at the top, like would you say people should watch this? Like, if you haven't watched it, is it worth watching? I think in it, your assessment, you know, I think it's worth. It's hard because I actually don't think the documentary is that well done. It's not a great. Do- I mean, like from a filmmaking perspective, yes, that's, that's the hard part. Because definitely like, like a twenty twenty report. We, you know, we were joking around about all the fake scenes that yeah. they do. I can't. <laughs> I ju- I'm like, there's enough clips of Hillsong yeah. to just. That's right. your filler. Don't do the stupid like the, fake yeah. drama the, clip. The, yeah, man, those like nineties nineties people will remember Rescue Nine One One. Yeah, or like Unsolved Mysteries or like it, Unsolved. Yes, where it's it, like it the felt, out of focus. Yeah, I just <laughs> that part of it was hard for me to watch. However, I think the some of the reporting and the stories that are coming out of it, I do think it's important um, for Christians to just be aware mm. of of some of this stuff and what it looks like. And some, it can even have like some signs. Mm-hmm. Cause like when you look at their story, there are things there that would have been like, Hey, something bad is coming. Mm-hmm. I know this seems like everything's good right now, but mm-hmm. something bad is coming. And I think this documentary allows us to see like, Hey, here are some things to pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I would agree. It wasn't, I, I will say the pace of the documentary I appreciated because it was only three episodes, but, uh, and when it starts, I know you felt this way. I think everybody who watched it felt like in the first episode, it's kind of like, 
this seems petty. It correct. You know, yes. but then I think as the episodes unfold, that was intentional. Yeah. It was kind of like episode one was like, they make a lot of money writing music and I didn't, I thought I felt welcome and then I didn't. Yeah. And then it's kind of like, eh, okay, I see both sides of that story. And then episode two is more about the stuff that happens with Carl Lentz. Yeah. And then even that sort of blossoms into, but that's not even the worst thing. Like here's the other thing with, with the Houston family. Yeah. So I think it was paced intentionally. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. Like I, Probably on this episode of our podcast, I want to hear more of your thoughts because, again, I kind of—it's not that I don't care, but I'm kind—I feel so detached from that. Mm-hmm. I think both because I grew up in a denominational church, mm-hmm. so I didn't grow like I grew up thinking Willow Creek was the biggest church in the world. Right. I, when I tell you, like just now, I didn't know that Hillsong wrote "Shout to the Lord." Right? Like I had no clue that this existed yeah. until probably I started coming here. Um, even when I was like going, you know, Jenny and I sort of were founding members of a local Presbyterian mm-hmm. church. And like, even there, which was a young congregation, I just didn't, we just yeah. never talked about it. Didn't know, didn't, didn't, it wasn't something we would talk about what Keller was saying, or like, we'd talk about Rob Bell said this and let's sure. talk about that. But like, we never talked about the whole song. So I feel when I watch the documentary, I don't really feel any I don't feel attacked or I don't feel like I need to defend or I don't Mm -hmm. feel like I need to pile on. I just feel like it's like watching a documentary about the Kardashians to me. I'm just like, why does this (laughs) even, does this even matter? So for And in fairness, the Kardashians were mentioned in the documentary. Uh, Yes, they were. Great, (laughs) great great catch. Um, So for you, like, especially as a leader of a church who have, or I mean, maybe we do still sing some of their songs or whatever. I don't know. Occasionally. Um, what was your takeaway from this thing? Maybe as it pertains to being a little different from the Mars Hill thing. Yeah. You know, well, one thing, when you mentioned like the songs mm-hmm. part, you know, it's interesting. Like our story is actually directly tied into the ocean song. Oh, and that's a hill like song. as a church. Yeah. A song song. And so part of our story of, of God kind of, um, confirming mm-hmm. something in us, we were in Chicago and really struggling with whether or not we made the right decision to plant a church. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we're at a friend's church in Chicago and we're just hanging out there and, and all of a sudden this song comes on called oceans mm-hmm. and, um, and they start playing this song and I'm, I'm not kidding. Like it's, I don't know if I've cried that hard in a service before. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I mean, I was like uncontrollable tears yeah. and, um, and I was like trying to like fight it a little mm-hmm. bit, but it was just like, I was like, I gotta let this go. Cause like it, it wants to come out. And Lacey was bawling too, now, which is that's not nor- abnormal, but um, she's bawling. And but we're having this moment where God is speaking through this song, mm-hmm. and it's a really big deal. Like mm-hmm. that song to us, it yes, did it get played out like in churches? Yes, it did. But that song, which is a hill song, that's why when people are like stop singing hill song music and stuff, I'm like, okay, like I get what you're saying in theory, right. but like there are some truths that like, man, that song is directly correlated with a deep spiritual God moment for us Mm. that our church is actually a part of, you know? And so it was a really big deal. So even when they were talking about the music, it was interesting how to begin to process some of that stuff because the knee jerk reaction is to say, well, see all the damage that they've, they've caused, Mm. like stop, like don't support them. Don't sing their songs. And, but there is also the other side to this. That's like, well, we don't know, like those, those musicians don't weren't necessarily mm-hmm. like a part of that or, you know, whoever wrote 
oceans might not even have known or, yeah. <laughs> or some of those some of those songs. So it's an interesting dynamic when you look at the documentary because you know, and the Mars Hill one was really about um, there's some similarities. Sure. Um, for sure. Um, the Hillsong one is more about emotion mm. and um, is about uh, um, uh, trying to figure out a way to gather to, to, to get a lot of different people. Meaning like th- they were trying to create a church environment where like anyone could come to. And yeah. they were like celebrating the emotive elements of music and how that kind of can transcend, mm-hmm. you know, people, um, people's cultures and stuff like that. And, and so it, at the front end with, with Hillside was like about gathering, like Mars Hill was like, how can you piss enough people off right. and get all the angry people in a room? Right. Yeah. And let's be really derogatory towards women. Yeah. And whereas like with, with Hillsong, it's like, Hey, let's feel this. Mm-hmm. Like, let's, um, this is a place you can bring your friends to women are, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some stuff with women in it, but like, right. but women could preach women leadership, right. women, you know, like, so there's a lot of things yeah. in that movement. Uh, with Hillside, it's like very different mm. um, than what Mars Hill was. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I guess my big question is what, what's the problem? Like, I know what I think the problem mm-hmm. is. Um, and is it, there, there are aspects of the Hillsong story that are um, profit driven. Mm-hmm. Um, there are aspects of it that are legacy driven. Like we need to definitely one of the primary sort of sins outlined in the, in the documentary are the organization became, um, self-protective. Yeah. Like we have to protect yeah, yeah. the organization over, over and above. And like, really what is sin besides like disordered priorities, disordered desire, right? We say yeah. it's disordered desire, but, um, it's not to say that it shouldn't be a priority to keep your organization healthy, but if the health and like preservation of the organization trumps or like outweighs Mm -hmm. um, the gospel. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Yeah. It doesn't make the one thing bad. It just, it's in the wrong spot. That's literally what idolatry is. Like cows are great. Just don't worship them. Right. (laughs) You know, like, like we need them. Yeah. (laughs) Um, They're awesome. But like, don't make a golden statue of one. Right. Yeah. Um, And I think that was the big, I guess my big question is like, is it a smoke and fire scenario where when we say, mm-hmm. yeah, but what about the good stuff? Well, what's wrong with growing? Or like, what's wrong with like writing good music? Or what's wrong with those things? My question is, I think that like, that's kind of like trying to get smokeless fire. Like yeah. the growth and the corruption are two sides of the same coin. Yeah. I mean, I see what you're saying. It can be. Um I don't know what, you know, when I said to Lacey when we were watching, I was like, I, I just wonder what the turning point is. Like, mm-hmm. what is the point? Like, you know, you and I had a little back and forth about the music stuff. We wasted you know? all the good we, content yeah. off my we both got We both got hyped on that. <laughs> well, um, now that I know that Oceans was a hill song, yeah. I understand where you have more of a like emotional investment yeah. in the, the sort of either defense or, or like making space for maybe this music part of it isn't all bad. Yeah. And and, and part of what we were discussing before was like the level of profitability off the music right. and how that was driving so much and yeah. how that ropes other churches into, you know, that yeah. stuff. But I, when Lisa and I were watching the, the documentary, I was like, man, what is the turning point for people? Like, how do you do it? Because like hmm. in theory to grow is not bad because you don't want to not grow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, so you, and you want to create space that people can, 
can become part of the church. I mean, it's part of like what we do here. You know, it's like we want to create a, we always say a safe place for people to explore their faith Mm -hmm. and for us to always stay curious about what else means, right? Uh, It gives us a level of humility. And, but there's, there's a turning point in some of this that, you know, I, we were up in New York and we saw Carl Lentz like speak. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like when they first started and it was like crazy. Like you go to church and like the line was like a block and a half, two blocks long. And you, you're like, whoa, is this for the next service? And they're like, yeah, but like there's a good chance you're not going to get into this one. Mm-hmm. So like you have to wait for the next one. So people are like, wait, in like an hour and 15 yeah. minutes to get, like, it's just, yeah. you don't hear stuff like that. Like, yeah. that's just not a thing in right. church. Like, we want people here on time. Right. You know? You yeah, know? seriously. So, but, um, but we, so they start their thing and it was great. The music was great and, uh, and the environment was really good. And Carl gets up there and he's actually like a really good speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not like a prosperity person or anything like that though. Brian Houston kind of is, but, um, Carl was like a pretty good speaker and he was dynamic. He was charismatic, but like he came out in leather pants and a deep V mm-hmm. and I just looked over at Lacey and I just go, nothing good happens when someone wears leather pants. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm like scanning my brain to rebuttal that. And I really can't. There's, where's so, the lie? So maybe even in the, music, like yeah. once, once the lead singer comes out in leather pants, yeah. it's, it's all down. Like Driscoll wore le- leather pants at one point. Man, leather pants. So maybe it's like leather pants is the turning point for people. But no, there, there's just like a, um, even at that moment, it, you kind of felt it. Yeah. You know, there was this fashion. Out, and here's what's interesting. I, Carl Lentz was like really heavily responsible uh, for like the movement towards preachers and sneakers. That, oh, for you know, sure. Yeah. He's even the preachers and sneakers guy is yeah, in the that. documentary, yeah. which I did not think he would look like. I don't know what I thought I he looked like, but you I was just, just like, people in a different way. I, get, yeah. I was like, wait, that's the guy? <laughs> but um, he was responsible. You know, like when all of a sudden when preachers were like, we're getting this certain kind of haircut, yeah. having like, you know, a certain kind of style and this feel right. and like, you know, more expensive clothing. And it's about, and which has always like, I've always been like kind of repulsed by, but mm-hmm. like there's, you know, there's an, there's an element, not that like you can't look good or feel good right. or whatever, but it's just like, it did shift the culture. Mm-hmm. And I think what ends up happening is this whole celebrity culture is just horrendous for, for pastors and yeah. churches. And, and so I just wonder if, you know, Billy Graham was really popular. Mm-hmm. He, he managed to do, okay, now there's no social media, but like right. literally millions and millions of people were seeing that dude. And so there's a way to do it mm-hmm. that you don't have to go down the, this horrible road, but I just don't know of many people who don't. Yeah. I mean, I think that for me, the answer is it's okay to grow, but you need to ask, are you growing deep or wide? And I yeah. don't, I don't believe that you can do both. I just don't. I've never seen it done. Well, I think you can you can you can do growth and deep. It's just not gonna be as fast. Maybe. I, I That's what give. we like it's just not gonna be fast. Yeah. I, you what know, does slow look like though? I mean, they were around for thirty years growing. Yeah, well they were going fast though. I mean oh, they okay. were like they were going fast. <laughs> well, and that was the other thing was like they didn't they weren't called Hillsong. Hillsong was the music part, and yeah. then when they saw that the music was catching on, they rebranded they the whole thing toward yeah. whatever was growing. But I, it just you know I see everything through my own cultural lens, uh, as do we all. Like what's sure. our life experience? And it's like in the same way, 
I always just think about it through like how did how did Nirvana happen? Like how did how did like abrasive, maybe a little catchy, but like abrasive, unmelodic, noisy, really not marketable mm-hmm. music become the standard for popular music, at mm-hmm. least for a while. And, you know, when we were growing up in the 90s, because um, you look at, a, you know, what are the other giant artists? You're Michael Jackson's and you're like, of course, that's going to get big. It's crazy. I mean, you know, it's like a huge production. And yeah. like, it's meant it's it's engineered to be big. It's it would be lame to see in a small club, right, to see like a pop artist like that in a yeah. small club. But all throughout the 80s as the sort of like college radio thing is happening and like the independent music thing is happening. If you read any sort of like retrospective on how did Nirvana become a thing? How did Nirvana become Nirvana? What almost everybody says is we were playing these tiny little rooms, but almost everyone in the room ended up starting a band. Mm. It was always a deep, not wide model. Now it eventually became a wide model yeah, um, because they were the biggest band in the world and still are in some ways. But like, it was always, even if you go back to any rock music, like the Beatles were a bar band, like, you know, Led Zeppelin was a pub band. Like it was a, it was a model of we're going to do the best we can and we're going to be as passionate as we can to as few people as, po- maybe not as few people as possible, but like we're going to be as passionate as we can to these tiny, tiny rooms. Mm-hmm. And then everyone in that room is going to be like, oh, I can do that. And then they're all going to start bands. And then eventually the culture changes. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually you see a shift in the culture. And the point was not growth, though growth did happen, Yeah, I guess is the way that I see it. And it's like, what would it look like for a church to just think, we've only got 50 people, but when we started this church, those 50 people barely knew what they believed. And 10 years later, those 50 people are all pastors or like all yeah. ministry people are all started nonprofits or, or whatever. I think, you know, if you were talking to a Hillsong person, they'd probably reply like, well, Matt, we started a ton of churches. We started a ton of nonprofits. We started like yeah. they did do a lot of that stuff. I, you know, there. If you look at, you, know, I think the average church in America is like, if I remember correctly, it's like a hundred and ten people okay. or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be less than that actually. It might be eighty-five people. And so, um, like the amount of churches that are above a thousand people in attendance or that would call that church home it, mm-hmm. it's like less than one percent of churches in america right you know so there's also like i don't know like we're we're technically bigger than that yeah you know so in the scheme of things we have grown a lot and we now but we have this deep desire to grow deep mm-hmm. and um but you you have this it's like this constant balancing act that you have to have to keep having these conversations and and i'm guessing if i again, like I have no clue like what the turning point was, but when you get that much momentum and that much success, it's like hard. Yeah. It's running down a hill. There's yeah. always the point in the hill where you're like, I can't stop. Running. Yeah. I think it's hard. And so, and then you have unchecked leaders is that's a, the leader point is there, there's two things for me that really stick out. One is on the congregational side, this obsession with celebrity mm-hmm. and coolness and, production like that yeah. kind of stuff um i like i can't stand that stuff about church and um part of the reason why we've never gone like the big producer out with lights mm-hmm. and all this is like i just you, it typically takes people down a bad road yeah there are some that don't but like it just typically does and um and so like when i look at like tim keller mm-hmm. and like because you mentioned him earlier yeah. uh, who was a pastor up in in new york city like they had a huge church but like 
there's no production, right. you know, to whatever. Right. And there's a huge depth to them. But that, that piece, the obsession with people, like when someone's like, oh my gosh, did you see who was here? Yeah. You know, or like, I just, I don't get that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think people want a king. They've always wanted a king. But we do it with celebrities. We do it with like athletes. Yeah. You do it. And I'm just like, for Christians, I'm like, we just need to stop that crap. Yeah. You know, and like not buy into that. And like, and that's how, that would be also be helpful for leaders mm-hmm. because you just realize it's just not about you. Um, and then what ends up happening is the sometimes people, you're so drawn into charisma and charisma is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, but we're just so, just, we get so into it. Like even when the, in the documentary, when, when people be like, oh, Justin Bieber went there or yeah. like, who cares? Right. Truly. If anything, that's not a, yeah. I'm know. like, and the Kardashian Justin, went there. Like, who cares? Yeah. Like, we should not be buying into it. Like, like, even when people are like, did you see that? Like, what some celebrity said? I'm like, who cares? Yeah. Like, they may not know a thing about what they're talking about. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, um, so that piece is there. And I think on the leader side of everything, this obsession with growing your brand mm-hmm. or, you know, living your life on social media or, um, you know, having like an air mm-hmm. uh, about themselves and not having like the ability to be vulnerable and stuff like that with people is, it's just killing leaders. How do you think that maybe this is an unfair question and putting you on the spot, but <laughs> how do you think the, like the theology or the culture of um, Pentecostal sort of like Western Pentecostalism and this concept of like an anointed leader, like putting the anointing on somebody. Yeah. Do you think that that plays into this? Do you think that that sort of gets warped into like, well, Brian's the guy or like, or this is the guy. And so, yeah, they talked about that a little bit then. Yeah. The sort of seven, have you ever heard that seven mountains thing where you're supposed to heard... like conquer the seven mountains of culture or whatever? I had not heard that before. I'm not, I grew up in Pentecostal. Yeah. That's why I was curious. Yeah. yeah. And they did, it was heavy you know, like prophetic word, heavy, like main leader. Mm-hmm. And there is no doubt that is problematic. Yeah. Um, now, because for that person to be able to handle that, if if that were an actual role, if that person right. be able to handle that role, there has to be such a level of humility, um, sincerity, you know, um, a deep connection with the spirit of God that they almost don't want it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, no, I don't, you know, kind of have that model. I, there is, that is problematic, that heavy handed, like celebrity leader yeah. that can say and do anything, that stuff. Um, we still see that, you know, it's not just the ev- white evangelical church. We see that throughout the black churches. Mm-hmm. Um, we see it in uh, Latino churches too. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's problematic. Like, it hasn't fully happened yet, but what we're seeing in the white evangelical church right now, which I think we should be celebrating the reckoning that's happening within church, mm-hmm. not like dismissive about it. We should yeah. be celebrating what's happening. Yeah. I think it's coming for other cultures. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I mean, we had students we went to college ministry that were part of the Korean church. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we talked to them and they would talk about how it was that same kind of Pentecostal feel. Mm-hmm. In, in in their upbringings, I'm not saying it's all you know Asian right. churches, or all black churches, or all Latino churches, but th- it's there in those churches mm-hmm. and in those movements, and they just haven't had it yet, like yeah. the way evangelical church has. But it's coming there too. Yeah, when you're talking about it, you mean sort of the deification yes. of the leader, or the yeah, pastor. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah. I. It's interesting. Even like, um, 
you know, sometimes when we have, uh, when you guys are somewhere or whatever, and we have like guests, mm-hmm. guest pastors, they will, um, you know, have everyone give you guys around, you know, you and Lacey sure. a round of applause. Yeah. And it's always interesting to me of like, people are really ready to like applaud you guys. And I think that's good. We appreciate, you know, leader, good leadership element, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like the honoring thing is good, but it always weirds me out that like, man, you guys are really ready to like cheer about this. <laughs> it's like people that I think one of the pressures of pastoral leadership is not always having the right answer, but always fighting people's latent desires to turn to you for everything. Yeah. You know, and to like put you on a pedestal. People, sometimes you don't put yourself on a pedestal. Sometimes your job is to fight other people who are trying to put you on Correct. a pedestal. I think, you know, I was down, we were down a couple weeks ago at a friend's church who I just, they're so, he and his wife are great leaders. They really are. And they deserve to be celebrated, but they just wouldn't want that. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, and that's like kind of how you know, mm-hmm. like they're, they're not the, hey, stand in the room when I come in, you know, yeah. or I need a driver or yeah. I need whatever. They're not remotely that way. And, um, and so like I've been in pastoral environments where like they have like essentially bodyguards and they've mm-hmm. got, you know, they come in in their black SUVs or they do all this different stuff that I'm like, this just is, I don't care how big you are. This isn't okay. Mm-mm. It just isn't okay. Yeah. You know? And it's like, it's repulsive to me. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, like I've been in rooms where like a guy walks in and everyone has to stand and clap. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, oh my gosh. like yeah. what are we doing? Like he's coming here to teach us like, I give us some leadership talk and like, it just feels like so I get it at the end of a talk. Like if it was like really good and we're just like celebrating, like what was this? I get that stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, just because someone walked in the room, it just, it feels weird on the pastoral end of things. I get it. That's cultural with like Kings and mm-hmm. like all that stuff. But like not as a pastor. Yeah. Like that, that whole celebrity piece. Like I, um, I want to bring it up because I posted it yesterday. Like Beth Moore, I, she's just so good, but she's the best. She said, humans were not fashioned by God for celebrity. We can't take it. I'm telling you, it's too much. To be greatly adored or greatly abhorred, either way, either one is a crazy making and both attend celebrity. A lot of celebrities crash, but all of them crack. We're craving our own public breakdown. If God lends you an audience for the gospel, and mind you, it will just be lent. That's a, I loved that line, not kept. Um, keep your head down, keep mature uh, people around you and who can tell you when you're an idiot, prepare to be humbled constantly and submit to it. And do not, I say it again, do not make crowds your God. It's idolatry. Don't clamor for big numbers and don't kid yourself that bigger is better for the sake of the gospel. That's bull. We do the lifting up of Jesus. God does the drawing. Just serve as faithfully as you know how. Repent regularly, ride the waves and uh, long for the shore. Nobody gets out unbloodied. Cling to your healer. Know when you need stitching up. Don't crave what will kill your character. If God entrusts you with a crowd, refuse to play to it. That's what sucks a once faithful servant into the crazy making quicksand of celebrity syndrome. Yeah. I mean, it's so that's, good. Yeah, that's it. I mean, and she's huge. Like, she's she's like, a really big She's deal. like the most famous, like one Woman, of the most famous yeah. women um, teachers, pastors, whatever. I don't. So how do you think? Um, what do you, how do you think Hill City? I, I know this is a question people have. So, how's Hill City not going to be Hillsong? Or, like, how is it, like, if we were to continue to grow or whatever, what, how do you feel like, how can you cast vision over, like, here's how we're not going to make that happen? Because I think one of the things we learn is, like, 
you have to actively resist it in some ways. Yeah. Um, you, you can't just passively like, well, you know, more people are just coming to the church and like, you know, well, you know, mm-hmm. um, you have to actively sort of step down off the pedestal, um, both as leaders, but like also as, as a church, what do you have like specific concepts or like guardrails up yeah. to keep, not just you, this isn't like, oh, how's John stay humble, but like, yeah. how does Hill City, um, without staggering growth, um, keep from becoming, from running down the hill too fast? Other than no leather pants or DVs. No leather pants. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are a couple of different ways. One, what we concentrate on the most is important. So discipleship is what we concentrate on the most. And that's like a really big deal for how we keep things in the right perspective. Mm-hmm. I think as a leadership team, um, how we continue to develop and what we talk about mm-hmm. deeply matters. So for instance, when we have deep conversations about trauma and sexual abuse and things like that and that how serious we take them and we don't gloss over anything in that manner and create boundaries within that for you know leaders, that becomes really important because that's so often where people fall into. Um, I think keeping things in front of us like that all the time is, is actually incredibly critical. I think the, um, uh, having people around making sure everyone has people they can be vulnerable and themselves with Mm -hmm. is also like really important. And I think even there are some like, like little practical things like, you know, Lacey and I will never separate ourselves as leaders. Like, right. you know, we're not going to have big offices. We're not going to have drivers. We're not going to do any of those things. Um, we're always going to be involved in like the little things of the church to make sure we don't ever get separated from those things. Um, I want to have more speakers up on stage because I don't ever want it to always be about me, you know. And and so, but I think even as a leadership team, those same things are getting engrafted into like what we do and um, do we want to reach people? We do, but our goal is not to be the biggest church in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ultimately like that was even part of the language of Hill City was uh, of Hillsong was like more centered around like, how do we take over the world? Yeah. You know, and Driscoll was that way, you know, and like a lot of these guys are that way. Let's take this city. Like there's a church that, uh, I don't know. So anyway, it came into Richmond and, and like, the the guy's prayer for their church for Richmond literally well he put this on Facebook he's mm-hmm. like Lord give us this city mm-hmm. and I'm like no <laughs> like that's not how you pray yeah. like like it's it's about God having this well God already has the city right you know and so like even like that tone of prayer and that lane of prayer is not okay and so um, even like partnering up with other churches and organizing like those things are all like deeply important to how we go about things and and pushing other people to the front mm-hmm. you know um those are all things that like are practical that we can do to make sure that no matter how large we get like we're we just know we're not that big of a deal in the scheme of things yeah yeah i wonder if a lot of it stems from like there's this concept of god as king right which mm-hmm. i think is good but it's this idea that like a king is a good thing. You just need God to be your king. Like mm-hmm. Christ is the king. And I wonder if we kind of accidentally um, 
let that spill out in an unbiblical way onto other things. Like, well, if God as king is good, then us as army is good. And if us as army is good, then conquest is good, as long as it's conquest for the gospel. And it's like using these very yeah. military kind of concepts, I think hasn't often gone well. It's I mean, when, yeah, right. When you yeah. see when you see things go well, um, you see it in like almost a more sort of like Mennonite type of like less simpler mm -hmm. servant leaders. So, you know, like um, what, what was the we always reference the the group in Europe that like the Mennonite church kind of stemmed out of that was. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Mm, the Moravian? No. Moravians. Yeah, 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 yeah. Moravians. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like that sort of vibe, the kind of like the kingdom of, I don't know, like less or mm -hmm. the kingdom, you know, the mustard seed over the, the tree, right? Um, and I wonder if it's just like our, because that, you're right, that's what I see in a lot of these stories is this idea that like, oh, conquest is good as long as it's conquest for the right things. Yeah. And it's like maybe conquest isn't good. Yeah. And I, and, and I also think it's like you have to be like, um, and I think swinging the pendulum too far the other way is also can be detrimental, meaning like if something's big, it's bad, you know, or if they're growing and reaching a lot of people, man, it all means that they're shallow or they're, that's not necessarily true too. Or if someone ends up having a nice building for some reason, it doesn't mean it's terrible. Mm -hmm. Can it be? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I just, you know, I think like engaging all this stuff in the right way is we just, there are enough warning signs in these documentaries and these podcast series that we're seeing that it, it's pretty clear in front of us, like what we need to stay away from. Yeah. Do you think that, um, you know, idolatry can be a tricky thing, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think that we talked about, and like Andy Stanley talks about it, we've talked about it. We've talked about how there's danger in idolizing the Bible, mm -hmm. which some people have like, I never thought about that. Yeah. Do you think there's danger in idolizing spreading the gospel? Yeah, because you can get... So essentially, like if you think about idolatry, it's like uh, if you think about the image of God in Genesis mm -hmm. chapter 1, we're supposed to image God. Like that's... if, And then in Genesis chapter 3, it says that they started to image the serpent, mm -hmm. right? And so when you begin to image something else besides God, no matter what that something else is, it's idolatry, Yeah. right? So... So when, even when you're talking about, oh, no, we want to spread the gospel to everyone that we know, it's like, well, first of all, like quite often in those kinds of movements and thought processes, you, you eliminate the spirit of God working, Yeah, you know, and because it's what you do. It's mm -hmm. like when people are like, I, I, I prayed the sinner's prayer with someone or right. like I helped someone get saved. It's like, yeah. Mm, yeah. I don't know that's how that works, you yeah. know? And I think so even that model, you can begin to be married to this model of we're spreading the gospel, we're yeah. spreading the gospel, but you get so inundated with, which which means growth and like, sh like trying to tell everyone about Jesus and everything, which when I utter those words, it doesn't sound bad, right? right? But it can get bad when you're missing out on what does it mean to be a humble servant? What does it mean to take a step back? Yeah. What does it mean... Um, to allow God to do work, like yeah. all that stuff. It can, yeah, it can become an idol for sure. Yeah, because it seems like a thread in all of these is like, yeah, but people are coming to Jesus. Or like, yeah, yeah. but people are coming to church. It's like, dude, I noticed that you're in a magazine with like your pubic area hanging out of $20,000 <laughs> sweatpants and no yeah. shirt on. Did you know that? Yeah, but like people are coming to Jesus. I know. I'm like, yeah, dude, like you and Beeb's hanging out with no shirt on. It's I like know. not, maybe we should talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> like, there's... But, but like the response is always like, yeah, but like it's working, it's working. It's like, well, working for what? Spreading yeah. the kingdom or people are coming to Jesus. And it's like, well, 
you kind of got to put that stuff on trial a little bit. What does that even mean? They're getting baptized. You know, we hear about the like mass baptisms or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like they're getting baptized or at least you're dunking them in water. They're saying some things like, but what does this really mean? You know what? It, I think what you're saying is really good because there is a level of um, what people focus on is wrong. Meaning, yes, people are still coming to Jesus in the midst of that dumpster fire. Do you know why? Because God is so great. Right. Yeah. It's like I said to you the other day. It's like we don't celebrate the the for instance, like the Jews didn't start celebrating Passover by slaughtering the firstborn of their enemies. Mm-hmm. The way they celebrated Passover was with a meal and by putting blood on the door. Right. Like to remember that God saved them, not that God killed someone else. Right. Or like our takeaway from Jacob and Esau isn't like, well, once a year we should celebrate that God kept his promise by robbing our half-blind aging father. Mm-hmm. Like that that happened and God like used it anyway. Correct. So I think what what a lot of these churches do and I think what we're what we're all tempted to do is look at the growth and say it worked but celebrate the wrong thing. Correct. If that makes sense. Almost yeah. like you don't celebrate that Jacob lied to, to get his inheritance. You yes. celebrate that God was faithful and grew the nation. Yeah, it's kind of like when um someone I was in talking with a couple of pastors and they, they said, Hey, what would be like a sign someone's going down the wrong road? And I said, just take a look at social, their own social media. Right. If their own social media, there's a difference between someone who might be like a little funny on social media, or even if they post a decent amount, right. like I'm not, it's not about how much you post. It's, it's really about like how you're living your life. And, and then when you look at someone's social media, it's like, is it all about them? Mm-hmm. Is it all about what they say? Is it all about, and is the church all about that? You know, that kind of stuff. And then you can see like, they're going down the wrong road. Yeah. And there might be some good things happening with that. Um, however, it's like, it just doesn't end well. Right. Yeah. And I would say even frequency of posting is a thing. Because I've yeah. talked about it here, like... I'm just posting pictures of the bench or stuff I read or whatever. But I noticed that the frequency had to do with like my desire for connection, like yeah. my desire for people to be to vibe with me on like this meditation thing or like people to like it or whatever. Even though I wasn't posting anything about myself, I wasn't coming off. I wasn't trying to come off as wise or whatever. I was literally just saying, hey, I read this great thing today. Here's a beautiful picture of the lake or whatever. Yeah. I started to notice that like the more I was doing it, it was, I was trying, this thing was being turned against me. Mm-hmm. Like this good thing that changed my life is being turned against me because I'm putting it on social media. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I always tend to push toward the more like, no, it is always bad. <laughs> but, <laughs> and I understand that's not true. But um, yeah, I think that the, the sort of social media as steroids for our false self, even if you're putting good stuff on there, that's a huge indicator to me Kimmy, as well. Yeah, it, going down the wrong road. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, any other big takeaways from this um, this piece of media, this, this three-part <laughs> documentary that we um, binge consumed? <laughs> well, I, you know, you, you get to really see in it that I think, that's why I think people should watch it. Like yeah. you get to really see in it um, – what happens like even when um like when Brian Houston like c- couldn't possibly mishandle sexual abuse more than he does yeah. do you know what i mean like the several scenarios that are in there and you just see how blinded people are mm-hmm. by success and blinded by the shiny stuff and blinded by all of those things and i think what you know when i was sitting in there um and we were watching it you know, there's the, you can rail against the church with all that and and we should in the moments that it, yeah. <laughs> that it's there. 
But man, like you do really see yourself in some of these scenarios too. It's like, if you just sit there for a second and be like, how am I blinded by, you know, like the shiny new toy yeah. or how am I like even like personally, and you can see how that when groupings of people then begin to do that, why it gets so like problematic. Yeah. And so, um, I think it's important in, in like a documentary like that to also like see how it's like speaking to you, mm-hmm. like not just trying to like look at the negative about church, but what does it mean to like me as a person and how can I grow to make sure I'm either a not involved in something like this, but be not drawn to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, do you think that it's good for, I don't want to, we're already like at time, but do you think that it's my reaction to this is not like, Oh, the church is broken. My reaction is like, that's not church. Is that unfair? No, it's not. Uh, it's not unfair at all. I, like church, when I look at Hillsong, like yeah. I see the lines and the Irving Plaza and yeah. the production and the giant like stage. I was in my head. I'm like, this doesn't have anything to do with me. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't, you know, I don't. Yeah. I don't No, I, I think what it is, it's a one-off, right? Like it's when people are like, oh, the church is like, you know, going down the tubes and man, the church isn't going to survive. I'm like, man, like you don't, you have such a narrow perspective of Christianity and the church in and of itself. If you think that yeah. all of a sudden, like this isn't going to work, yeah. you know, but yeah, I don't, that doesn't like Hillsong doesn't represent 99.9% of churches. Right. Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. is giant, but it's still percentage wise, especially if you incorporate, which we say this all the time, but like you incorporate the Eastern Orthodox church, you incorporate yeah. the Catholic church, you incorporate like anybody who says Jesus was the son of God yeah, and like the only son of God. It, Yes. It's such a tiny, tiny, tiny Correct. blip on, over the last 2,000 yeah. years. Yeah. And plus we, you know, we're part of a church network that's associated with North Point, you know, yeah. the Stanley's, And like, they actually do, like they're a massive church. I mean, they're yeah. huge, um, but they actually really do a good job for how, like for how big they are. Like, mm-hmm. goodness gracious. Like that's hard, you know, and the level of humility their executive team has and what they've been able to do is actually quite impressive and shows that you know, there's more to it, mm-hmm. you know, than all the junk that we've seen in some of these other scenarios. Yeah. And I think my thing with the growth and the, and the, the sort of largesse of the whole thing is you have to keep in mind that we're all human. Mm-hmm. There's no perfect person and there's no perfect organization. You're gonna, people are going to get hurt. Like the hope yeah. is that it's very few people, but like, there's no, you know, there's, there, if there's no way that that you can avoid it. Like when you get people together, people hurt one another. Like that's just what it is. A family, an organization, a company, a sports team, a band, whatever. Um, I think with the growth thing, you have to keep in mind that if your organization is functioning really, really well and really healthy and really Christ-centered, maybe that means only 0.5% of people get hurt. But Mm -hmm. the bigger your organization is, the larger that number becomes. Like that that could still, for us, if we if we only accidentally or whatever if if you know 0.5% of people get left left behind or hurt in some way or or walk away with bad feelings for mm-hmm. whatever reason that represents 50 you know 50 people yeah um actually less than that you know 5 or 10 people a year right if your church is giant like and you you're doing the same level of efficiency and caring for people and discipling pastoring and shepherding and whatever whatever yeah it could be 200 people a year if it's 0.5%, you just, no, it's, people yeah. just have to, you know, I, I feel like Francis Chan figured like 
he had that reckoning and was like, I can't do this. Yeah. Like I, I can't be responsible. Yeah. And some people can't like, I remember hearing him talk about it. Like he's, he's like my, I can't, I'm not wired for this. Like I can't, yeah. I can't do it and I can't do the crowds and I can't like, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, there are people who can, I just, I can't. And that, you know, goes back to like some of the leadership stuff too. That is so important in terms of like paying attention to what the leaders are like and who the people are around them and what they focus on. And, and you can do that pretty easy. A lot of times with social media now, you know, but, um, this, this past week I was, um, you know, the name Tim LaHaye. Uh, yeah, he's he left, left behind, behind right? That, right. Yeah. So this guy, uh, he wrote these left behind, oh man, those books, but like they, he wrote these books that were like shaping a lot of people's theology right. and everything right. in the evangelical world. Um, he wrote, uh, he helped shape Republican policy re- with related to it, like religious systems. Um, but that dude was a flat out racist. Right. And he was a racist in the seventies, like hardcore. Yeah. And, um, and then some of the other stuff he he wrote was was wild too. But he was like help like as a leader in the evangelical movement, he was shaping all of these things. And so it's just like you have to just be careful. Like one of the other things with this is like just really be careful what the leaders are saying and they're yeah. focusing on and what do they talk a lot about, you know, and what are they trying to drive in? Is it prosperity and blessing and you know, everything's gonna be like you're you're you know, your best is yet to come, you know, like all those, these, this language that's pushing about this kind of prosperity element, or, um, are they focused on like power, mm. you know, all the time and domination language and all that stuff, or are they focusing on actually what Jesus <laughs> taught, you yeah. know, which is a very different thing. Yeah. I almost think we should do, I, I want to do a part two where you and I try to maybe capture some of the, the thunder of our, our off mic conversation about the music, because you bringing up his books and me thinking about like Hillsong music or even like the Catholic church buying and trading, you know, buying and selling art during the Renaissance and amassing wealth for the the machine that became Mm -hmm. the Vatican that, that people have a lot of problems with. I just wonder, we should have a larger conversation around like, is the buying and selling of art in the church good <laughs> like yeah, is it we, has it has it ever panned out we don't we're not gonna do it right yeah, now but like has it ever panned out so you guys um write in if you think that that's a good idea shoot us a message on instagram um you can email us at stay curious at hillcityrva.com you can follow us um on instagram.com slash stay curious pod um and let us know if that's something you want to hear about or if there's other questions quips comments quotes or concerns you can send them there make sure to rate and review us um, and share the episode so others can get in on the conversation. And until next time, as always, remember to stay curious. curious.